This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Spoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake back with another solo edition uh, as Gabby it's close to wrapping up his paternity leave uh, get to report that I, I met baby Stella she's cute as a button the Urrutias are doing well in their new journey of parenthood and all is well there but let's jump into what this podcast is about and that is previewing the battle of three and four Miami against three and four Virginia. This game will be televised on Bally Sports locally at 1230. Um, game is at Virginia in Scott Stadium. Um, Virginia is coming off a 16 to nine win over Georgia Tech uh, roughly 10 days before. Saturday's game, Thursday night game against Georgia Tech. Uh, it was their first ACC win of the season. And Virginia has also earned victories over uh, Old Dominion and Richmond. This is the first season of the Tony Elliott era at Virginia. Tony Elliott, of course, was the longtime assistant coach at Clemson under Dabo Swinney. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator there since 2015, and he is the Broyles Award winner uh, in 2017. His offensive coordinator is Des Kitchings. He, uh, he came to Virginia from the Atlanta Falcons, I believe, as a running backs coach. Um, coach Kitchings has experience at USC and a lot of years coaching at NC State in his past. Um, but I do think primarily Tony Elliott is the play caller for this offense, similar style of offense that Josh Gaddis, um, is looking to install at Miami, uh, kind of a balanced, uh, power spread vision, if you will. Um, defensive coordinator, John Radzinski, uh, served his last four seasons as the defensive coordinator at Air Force. Um, so far, I mean, Virginia runs a four down front under Radzinski, which is a different look uh, from the Bronco Mendenhall era. Um, 
And yeah, it's, it's interesting. We'll get into it here. Both sides of the ball for Virginia have flipped their strengths and weaknesses from a year ago. Last year, Virginia's strength was by far its offense. Weakness was the defense. That is not the case this year with the offense um, not producing. Let's get into it here. So the offense for Virginia this year, averaging 364 yards per game. That's 10th in the ACC, 17.6 points per game, which is 13th in the ACC. Virginia is only converting 31.6% on third down, which is 12th in the ACC. Uh, Virginia is dead last in turnovers lost on the year with 19 last in the country, 130th. You compare those numbers to last year again. The offense was a significant strength. Uh, last year, Virginia's offense averaged 515 yards per game, 34.6 points per game, 45.9% third down conversion rate. Uh, the personnel, let's get into it. Uh, Virginia's quarterback, same guy that we've seen the last couple of years, uh, Brennan Armstrong. Lefty, uh, he is currently totaling. 1,618 yards with a touchdown to interception ratio of six to nine. He is only converting 55% of his completions and he is averaging 6.6 yards per attempt. Um, He's thrown for 300 yards only once this year. That was against Louisville. Uh, You compare these numbers to last year, it's night and day. Last year, Armstrong threw for about 4,400 yards. He threw for 400 yards last year in five games. Um, So uh, what's the reason for Brennan Armstrong not producing like he did last year? I think it's a lot of different things going on. We'll get into it here in the podcast, but uh, just um, on a surface level introduction to why maybe Armstrong's production has fallen off. I think part of it is new offensive system. Uh, I think the biggest part is an offensive line that is really, really struggling to pass protect. I think the third thing to note is the wide receivers have been uh, dropping the ball far too often, dropping catchable passes at an alarming rate. Virginia's receiver group has 25 drops on the air, 25 drops on catchable passes, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, For the most part, Armstrong's weapons are the same in terms of the receiving core. Uh, Keaton Thompson, who um, has long been a Swiss Army knife now for Virginia, uh, started his college career as a quarterback at Mississippi State, uh, converted to wide receiver a few years ago. Um, he is their leading receiver with 538 yards, still hasn't scored a touchdown on the year. Um, but he is that kind of steady target for, uh, Armstrong in the short and intermediate passing game. He's a guy that's six foot five, uh, 215 pounds and his stiff arm, uh, is noticeable when you watch him play as he picks up yards after the catch. Dontavian Wicks was Armstrong's 
um, most productive receiver last year. Last year, Wicks had uh, 1,203 yards and nine touchdowns. This year, those numbers are 416 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, it did look like against Georgia Tech, uh, the last outing for Virginia, that Dontavian is starting to come on a little bit. He had four catches for 99 yards in that game. Um, so he might be starting to find a rhythm. Um, and then the other guy to note is Lavelle Davis, who I believe was injured for the majority of last year, but he is a six foot seven lengthy, lanky target, um, that kind of does his damage outside the numbers going deep so he can use his length to win those jump ball situations downfield. He has 324 yards on the year, two touchdowns. He's averaging 21.6 yards per catch. So he's a guy that uh, Virginia can send deep. They do send him over the middle at times too. Um, like a lot of tall guys, he's not necessarily the cleanest route runner. Um, but on go balls, he's definitely a threat because he is all of six foot seven. Um, but again, going back to the drops, those three receivers have accounted for 22 drops uh, as a whole. So 22 of the 25 drops uh, coming from the best receivers, that is a tough situation with getting the offense going. The run game, um, it is something that Tony Elliott wants to get going, um, but it is not been impressive production this year. And I think a lot of that is due to just personnel. Um, their top running back this year is Paris Jones, who is five foot eight, 180. So he's essentially David Lake. Uh, he's run for 337 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Virginia as an offense is averaging 133 yards per game as a team, which is 11th in the ACC. I think it's also worth noting that Brennan Armstrong is a threat um, in situational football as a runner. Uh, once they get inside the 10, much like last week, um, Brennan Armstrong's a guy the defense better be aware of as a runner because he has run for four touchdowns this year. Uh, and he is, a, he is an athlete that needs to be accounted for with his legs. Um, but overall, um, the run game has been kind of hit or miss for Virginia this year. Offensive line hinted earlier in the year in, in this podcast that uh, it's a group that is really, really not performing well, particularly in the pass protection phase. Um, the reason for that, uh, a big reason for that is because Virginia was hit hard by the portal in terms of offensive linemen leaving the program. Uh, Ryan Swoboda, who Miami actually flirted with a little bit as a transfer in December. Um, he transferred to UCF. He was a starting tackle for Virginia last year. Victor Oluwatimi, um, he was their starting center. He transferred to Michigan. Bobby Haskins, I believe he was a offensive tackle. Uh, he transferred to Southern Cal. And Joseph Bissinger, 
another starting caliber offensive lineman transferred to SMU. So that's basically four starters leaving a program and Virginia didn't really replace them in the portal, which I think is in hindsight, clearly a big mistake. Um, and so if you take four starters off any offensive line at the college level, don't replace them. That offensive line is most likely going to be talent deficient. And that is definitely the case this year. Um, Virginia's you watch Virginia this year. It's some of the worst offensive tackle play in the conference from a pass protection standpoint. Uh, pass blocking in general is brutal on the inside as well. Uh, pro football focus grades Virginia as the 127th out of 131 pass blocking group. Here are your worst pass blocking teams in the country than Virginia right now. Army, FIU, Navy, and of course, Iowa. Uh, they are allowing 2.86 sacks allowed per game. Uh, the run blocking is marginally better, but it's still a below average group. It's it's a similar similar run blocking group as Miami's offensive line right now, uh, quite frankly. Um, overall, the new offense, uh, in terms of a new system, the bad pass protection, the frustrating drops, I think at times Brennan Armstrong is, is dealing with some confidence issues and in his ball placement with some routine throws that he would normally make with his eyes closed last year. Um, turnovers, all of these issues are leading to bad results from a team, you know, on the surface, you look at Armstrong and you look at his receivers and you wouldn't think that Virginia's offense would be one of the worst in the ACC this year. Um, but that's what the results are. And, and frankly, those poor results start up front with poor, inconsistent offensive line play. And it's unfortunate, too, because the poor pass protection doesn't allow Armstrong and those receivers, which is the strength of that offense from a personnel standpoint, um, to do what they do. Defensively, on the flip side, uh, Virginia is much improved year over year. Uh, the defense is allowing. 350 yards per game, 22.6 points per game, 3.29 sacks per game, which is different from last year. Uh, this Virginia defense is doing a much better job of affecting the quarterback that we saw last year. Last year, uh, this Virginia defense allowed 31.8 points per game, 466 yards per game was credited with only 1.58 sacks per game. From a personnel standpoint, um, I think the back end of the, of the defense is the strength, uh, particularly uh, the corners. Cornerback Anthony Johnson, who is a Louisville transfer. He played at Virginia last year. He's your bigger corner, six foot two, 200-ish pounds. And Fentrell Cypress uh, is also playing well this year at the cornerback spot for Virginia. I would expect um, Anthony Johnson, who is number three, to guard Colby Young, because again, he is their bigger corner, six foot two, 200. Um, 
kind of kind of has the body type to be able to cover uh, Miami's big bodied receiver. Linebacker Nick Jackson, just a good, solid college level middle linebacker. He's played 2,500 defensive snaps in his college career. He has 70 tackles this year, four sacks. Uh, Nick Jackson has played a lot of football. He has over 300 tackles in his college career. The defensive line um, is where, you know, from a system standpoint, Virginia is much different year over year. Their defensive line that gets more vertical, um, Chico Bennett is a defensive end transfer from Georgia Tech that is coming off a game against the Yellow Jackets in which he totaled 14 pressures and two sacks. So Bennett clearly had a little fire in his belly uh, facing his uh, former team. So hopefully he left that fire in the belly in Atlanta. Um, and then after that, you know, it, it's kind of a pass rush by committee. You have Bennett, you have Paul Akiri, you have Cameron Butler, Aaron Famui, and then Nick Jackson, the linebacker I referenced earlier, he is an effective blitzer um, in some situations. So um, they do look to get upfield uh, more so than we've seen from a Virginia defensive line in the Bronco Mendenhall era. Overall, you know, I think this defense does a nice job of keeping things in front of them. Um, good sound defense. I don't know if there's necessarily any dynamic game changers, but they're all playing on one. They're on, they're all on the same page and uh, making offenses work for it. And uh, there's definitely something to that. Um, if you don't quite yet have the talent um, that can take over games. So that's kind of the rundown on Virginia. We're going to take a quick break here, and then on the other side, we'll get into the Miami side of this matchup, go into some keys to the game, matchups we like, um, betting line, talk, and we will share a prediction. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Let's start with the Miami injury updates. Um, I do expect Tyler Van Dyke to be out this week, which means Jake Garcia is the starter. Um, we will get into that, but 
I also think it's worth keeping an eye on James Williams, the safety. Um, I'm, I'm not reporting anything, but I'm not so sure. I'm not, I'm unsure how much he practiced this week. Um, so if he is unable to go, that's obviously a big miss on the back end. Also to keep an eye out for Ja'Kai Clark. I think he might just be playing through some injury stuff. I'm not sure how much he's been practicing, quite frankly, in recent weeks. Uh, but keep an eye out on center too, because uh, if Ja'Kai is unable to go, that means you're down to your third string center, which is not ideal. But again, I do think Ja'Kai's kind of been toughing things out. So I guess I feel of, you know, Compared to James Williams, I feel, I guess I feel better about Ja'Kai playing. Um, but we'll see. And then always, you know, unfortunately, there seems to be game day surprises in terms of who is available, who is not available. So uh, Miami's banged up right now. We'll see what they got in terms of injuries and available, available players on Saturday. Um, keys of the game. Again, Jake Garcia, expecting to get his first start. Um, I do think Jake is a talented guy and I do think Jake is talented enough to win this game. Uh, the biggest key for me with Jake going into this week's game is simply playing within the offense. Um, and I do think working with the first team the whole week in practice will help him with this, help him kind of settle into the offense, into a rhythm. Um, and he doesn't necessarily have to press. Um, I love the aggressiveness that Jake plays with. I would much rather have a quarterback be aggressive and you have to rein that in rather than the opposite of that. Um, but I do think it's important for Jake to learn the line of when it's appropriate to look to push the ball and when it's not, when you, when it's best to just work within the framework of the offense. Um, again, I do think, I think this is going to be Jake's job for a little bit. I don't know how long, um, but I do think for the foreseeable future. And I think it's, a, it's important for him to not press. I think sometimes when a backup quarterback comes into games, that quarterback can either, it can go one of two ways. I think that quarterback can either have a deer in headlights situation or that quarterback can press too much um, and disaster can happen that way. Uh, Jake doesn't have the deer in headlights thing at all. He is ultra confident, but I do think at times he presses too much um, with his aggressiveness. And so again, I think he's just got to learn the line. Um, and I think he can, he can learn it as a starter going into the game as a starter, I think helps tremendously with that mentality. Uh, so limit the disaster plays. Um, and I do think Jake can be the type of quarterback that the team rallies around. I'm not, I'm not saying this in regard to anything with Tyler, because I think the team rallies around Tyler too. Uh, but I do think anytime you have to go to your backup quarterback, there's an uneasiness to it. Um, and Jake has, uh, he, he's a very likable guy. He's a charismatic guy. Um, and if he gets off to a strong start and 
can play within the offense. I think he's a guy that can really kind of provide a spark that's been missed, that was missing um, for a lot of that Duke game. Uh, I also want to see, too, you know, like this point goes within, like working within the framework of the offense. I want to see Jake work the middle of the field a little more effectively. Um, and, and that's hard to do. That's that's hard to do for a quarterback because that's where all the traffic is. Um, but I do think the more and more tape that defensive coordinators get on Jake, I think it's pretty obvious right now from what we've seen, he likes to work the ball to the outside, um, which is good and fine. But defensive coordinators are going to take away those things. Um, so you're going to have to work all different parts of the field. Um, so that's that's my take on Jake. Again, I think he's talented. I think he's good enough to win this game. Um, I think he's good enough to be a successful starter at the college level. This is his opportunity, and we'll see what he does with it. Uh, another key to the game. Uh, I think the defensive line has to dominate this week. Uh, I've already mentioned how poor... Virginia's pass protection is Miami's defensive line is really good at the pass rush. Um, so doesn't get much simpler than that. Uh, you got to go dominate turnovers. Virginia is the most turnover prone team in the country with 19 Miami is coming off a game in which they turned it over eight times. And they are still three behind Virginia with 16 turnovers lost on the year. So clearly turnovers, this isn't one of those like cliche, like turnovers, turnovers matter in every game. Of course, this is a game where both these teams are coughing it up. Um, so it's going to play a significant role, most likely in the outcome of this game matchup. We like most from a Miami standpoint. Um, not going to overthink it. I think Miami's defensive line against the Virginia offensive line um, should be a significant edge that the Hurricanes have going into this game. And if it plays out that way, um, I would expect Virginia's passing attack to continue to sputter compared to last year. Matchup to keep an eye on. I do think, however, though, if Virginia is able to block it up at some point, which they will, that's just how sports and competition works. Um, I do think that Virginia has some weapons that are dangerous. And I do have some concerns about Dontavian Wicks against Miami's secondary, um, both from a bust perspective especially if James Williams is unable to go. And just from a pure talent perspective, I think Dontavian Wicks has NFL talent. Um, I think he can be a contested catch guy. I think he can be a yards after catch guy. I think he is a straight up vertical threat too that can just get behind a secondary. Um, so if the pass rush does not affect the quarterback, Keep an eye on Dontavian Wicks as a big play threat um, in the passing game uh, for Virginia. 
guy that needs to step up for Miami. Uh, I'm not going to go with the player. I'm going to go with offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. Um, quite frankly, it's time to step up. Um, yes, the uh, you know the offense. Josh Gaddis has faced a lot of adversity this season with injuries, um, but that's kind of baked into a football season, in my opinion. Everyone's dealing with injuries at this point of the year. And quite frankly, I, I don't think um, Josh Gaddis is as bad as he is being portrayed. Um, you know, look, the results have not been there. I agree. Um, and in my opinion, if there is something to criticize and if there is something to watch out for moving forward, it is Josh Gaddis being a bad man manager. He has done a bad job of connecting with the players in the locker room to this point in the season. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are injured. You need a lot of guys to step up. Uh, the guys that need to step up probably don't have the talent level of the guys that are injured, of course. Um, but football doesn't care. And, and you have to find a way quite frankly, no matter who is playing, you have to score more than 24 points against a power five opponent. Uh, the 24 points that Josh Gaddis and Miami scored against North Carolina is the most Miami scored against a power five opponent this season. That's not going to get it done against most power five teams. Um, you have to get the players to play for you. You have to find ways to score points. Josh Gaddis, step up, get the job done. I think if Miami can score 24, 27 points, which isn't that much if we're being honest, I think Miami can win this game. Uh, so find a way. And, and frankly, the available talent is good enough to score 24 to 27 points. So uh, get the job done. Potential player of the game. I'm going to go with a defensive lineman. And I'm going to go with Miami's best defensive lineman, Akeem Mesidor. Uh Betting line. So at the time of recording this podcast, Miami is a two-point favorite. And the over-under on this game is 48 and a half. Again, do not follow my... I don't know. If, I don't even know if it's advice. My betting discussion uh, in these podcasts. Uh, but what I would do, I would bet Virginia, and I would take the under. So now we are here at prediction time. Um, so it's pointed out to me that for every game up to this point. <laughs> I have picked Miami to win every game. Homer, goodness. Uh, so enough of that. I am now at a point where I don't trust this team. And even though I do think Miami is a better team than Virginia, uh, Miami was also a better team than Duke. Miami was also a better team than Middle Tennessee State. Um, at this point, you got to prove to me you can win this game. 
I, I will say if, if Miami had a healthy Tyler Van Dyke, I would probably pick Miami, the backup quarterback situation. While I do believe in Jake, you don't know what you got at quarterback till you go out and see it. Um, so I'm a little nervous about the backup quarterback situation. Um, you know, Miami's coming off a really deflating loss. How will this team bounce back from that game? Miami is banged up with injuries. Uh, again, even with all this going on, I do think this game is winnable because Virginia, from what we've seen, is not a good team. Uh, I do think some of those reasons that Virginia is not good, though, are fluky, and I don't think you can count on them, like the turnovers, like the drops by the wide receivers. Um, so, um, I am predicting for this game, Virginia 19, Miami 17, and an especially bad game to watch. Um, two offenses that just have not gotten it done this year and are looking for answers and consistency. Um, so hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully this is a game Miami can win. Miami needs to win this game if they have any realistic hope of becoming bowl eligible this year. If Miami doesn't win this game, quite frankly, I don't see a path to bowl eligibility. So hopefully the guys go out and get the job done. Hopefully they prove me wrong, uh, which has happened quite a bit this year. I'm three and four this year, just like the Miami Hurricanes. So uh, till next time, take care. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.